0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
1: Price and coverage match limited by state law. Our new Tuesday tradition on the College Football Daily is breaking down. The coaching changes belatedly because everything happens on Sunday night and then we get together on Monday to record an episode and it comes out on Tuesday. Counting right now on, on the things we've done already this season, we've done TCU firing Gary Patterson. Before that, we did Texas Tech firing Matt Wells, and then we did last week Texas Tech hiring Baylor assistant Joey McGuire. This week, today on the College Football Daily on Tuesday, November sixteenth, and my name is Trey Scott. We're talking to Chris Fetters of Dogman twenty four seven, the Washington Husky site for twenty four seven Sports about what next. After the dismissal of Jimmy Lake, we thought it was coming. I I mentioned on yesterday's episode that it was very likely to happen on Sunday evening. I was wrong, though. I thought Washington would have spent the week looking for ways to fire Jimmy Lake for cause. I was pleasantly surprised to see that that didn't happen. Uh, They didn't try to use the, the player shove or any other past grievance issue as a reason to not pay the man his money. So Jimmy Lake will get a $9.9 9 million buyout. And Washington has a very interesting number of directions it could go. A lot of Justin Wilcox chatter. Is that the bare minimum? Could they get a bigger name? Could they get Dave Aranda? Is Chris Peterson coming back? Anyone? Huh? Tom Herman? What's going on? So uh, Chris Federer has a lot of good stuff to say in, the, in that regard. And then also we teased last week that Florida international coach Butch Davis, former legend, Miami Hurricane Legendary Miami Hurricane coach Butch Davis and, and one-time North Carolina head coach Butch Davis, too. He won't return in 2022. He says FIU is sabotaging its football program. So they... Uh Andrew Ivan said last week that James Coley at at Texas A&M was was among the top candidates for that job. We'll see what happens there. Perhaps we'll dive a little bit deeper into Butch Davis's quotes at some point in the next few weeks. But for now, plenty to talk about with the Washington Huskies and their search for the next head coach. Here's Chris Fedders. Okay, Chris Fedders joins us right now. Chris, really interesting coaching search, I think you're going to have up there. Really interesting hot board you have on your site. I got to ask you: Are you officially eliminating Chris Peterson from this job?
0: Huh. I think Chris Peterson eliminated himself from from any future Washington jobs a long time ago, uh, probably specifically in December of 2019 when he passed the torch to Jimmy Lake. So, yeah, I, I think I think Chris Peterson's very very happy doing what he's doing. He actually just started a partnership with a group called Montlake Futures, which is kind of their nil. Attempt um, obviously not affiliated with the school officially, but it's something that Peterson obviously is very passionate about. Trying to get these guys to think about life after football. You know, you can obviously have your great NIL opportunities during your careers um, at places like Washington, but he also wants to try to create the partnerships and and really help them create their brand names and their and their plans going forward. And those are all things that are in. Chris Peterson's wheelhouse. I think he could get back into coaching. I I just don't necessarily see him. I know I know he's been, you know, linked with every job from here to, you know, SC and TCU and whatever and I just I kind of laugh when I see it because it just he does not look to me like a guy who's ready to get back into
1: the fray, so to speak. All right. So we won't have a Bill Snyder situation 2.0 uh, when he when he came back after the Ron Prince experiment failed. Who do, you, who do you think's the name that when you mention on your podcast or the message board on, or on radio or on Twitter, that gets the most positive reaction as far as the coaching candidates for the Husky job are concerned?
0: Oh, well, <laughs> probably a name that we haven't really talked about a lot. And, and I think we have our reasons why we haven't really propped it up, but it's a name that's come up a lot in kind of Twitter circles. And of course, those those come with with you know whatever, whatever you want to describe it. But Bob Stoops seems to be the name that has really catalyzed things and has really generated a lot of interest. Personally, I don't think there's any chance that Washington hires Bob Stoops. But a guy of that stature, a name of that stature is going to clearly generate A lot of interest. I could I could tell you who the most probably the most polarizing name that's already been talked about, and that's California head coach Justin Wilcox, who has a connection with Washington. He coached at Washington under Steve Sarkeesian. And he obviously has had really kind of average, if not below average success at California, but everyone already understands the context, especially if you're a Pac-12 football fan, you understand the landscape of what it's like to try to coach at Berkeley. It's really impossible. It's like trying to coach with one arm tied behind your back and one leg tied behind your other leg. It's absolutely ridiculous. You know, they're the only school right now in all of FBS to have to cancel a game or, or postpone a game due to COVID. So I think a lot of people understand that he could be a great fit for Washington and what they're looking for in in terms of he understands the landscape. He he can probably try to recruit a little bit. You know his teams are going to be tough. It's going to be based on defense and a lot of other things, but he's not a name that's going to generate a lot of wow factor, a lot of buzz, a lot of sizzle. A lot of people feel like if a guy like Justin Wilcox gets hired, it's like the bare minimum. It's like the lowest bar that's been achieved. So I think a lot of people want more buzz. They want a bigger name to go out there to to really get things kickstarted again. So we'll see what happens. But those are a couple names that obviously have been in the
1: forefront of Washington fans' minds, for better or for worse. The Justin Wilcox situation, I've seen that linked. I wonder... You know they didn't ha- really have a coaching search at all last time around. You know Pete steps down and it's it's a head coaching waiting scenario almost. Jimmy Lake's announced and it makes sense. Like Ohio State did it with great success, Oklahoma did it with great success. It, it's just hard to see Washington go in like uh, like once again to have a guy in Justin Wilcox who is linked to the job before Lake even gets fired, and and it feels like it, it would be a, a second straight to you. You mentioned it bare minimum coaching change. Do you think there's any chance that if Justin Wilcox in the last few weeks has been tossed around as the guy that Jim Cohen and the other Washington athletics officials would listen or pay attention to any sort of not negative backlash from the fan base or boosters, but an apathetic backlash and go, okay, let's, let's expand this a little bit more.
0: Maybe. I mean, Jen Cohen, one thing that it, for anybody that listened to her press conference yesterday on Sunday afternoon, you got the idea that she's looking at the whole picture. I mean, her word, her catchphrase and catchword throughout the whole thing was holistic. She's looking at the whole body. She's looking at everything from top to bottom. And that's why she was very... Uh, she pointed very specifically that the suspension that just happened to Jimmy Lake was dealt with in a different way than the, the, the maybe the requirements or what she was looking for and potentially moving on from Jimmy Lake permanently um, is two totally different things in her mind. Obviously I think there there's going to have to be a link between the two and history will show that there will be, but when it comes to looking ahead And and seeing what's going on. She's been looking at this. And and of course, we all know athletic directors always have a short list in their back pocket, no matter what happens. Like, you know, we never we never even thought Chris Peterson was thinking about just stepping down. After the 2019 season, maybe some people could see it happening, but we didn't really think of it realistically. And it was such a shock to the system. Those are the kinds of situations where an athletic director like Jen Cohen needs to have that list in her back pocket going, okay, this is the... things that we're going with right now. Let's see what our options are right now to see what we can do moving forward. And it made such sense to retain Jimmy Lake and move him forward. She picked him. He was handpicked by Peterson. Myself, everyone around the Seattle media thought it was a no-brainer considering what Lake's credentials were, considering who had tried to attract Lake, whether it was Arizona State before they hired Herm Edwards, before it was Colorado, before they hired Tucker. There were so many things that made sense at the time. Now you're looking at it and you think, okay, who are the lists that maybe she had in her back pocket before this went down? Justin Wilcox seems like an obvious candidate based on the connection with Washington already, the struggles that he's had at Cal, but you could see the potential for what he could do down the road, maybe given a lot better situation more support, better facilities, better recruiting opportunities, those types of things. And if you're going to do that, you might as well look at a guy like Jonathan Smith as well and see what he's doing at Oregon State. You might as well kick the tires around because we know Jonathan Smith, that's his alma mater. He loves Oregon State to death. It would take I think it would take a lot To move him from Corvallis right now, which of course is very ironic coming from the Washington perspective, because historically Washington has just walked all over the Beavers. And it's just there hasn't really been a connection between the two programs because one has been at such a high level and the other one has really struggled to kind of bring themselves up by their bootstraps. But right now, Oregon State's at the same level as Washington. There's just no doubt about it in terms of what the product is on the field, and and they're trending up and Washington's trending down. And if they need a bootstrap Lose, they could go back to Jonathan Smith and say, look, you know the, the Washington situation as well as anyone. You came here with Peterson. You were the offensive coordinator. They need a boost offensively. There's so many things about bringing Jonathan Smith back that would make so much sense. The funny part about it is when you bring back the fan reaction, like we were talking about, how it's very been very polarized with a guy like Justin Wilcox, for instance, there were so many fans that absolutely hated what Jonathan Smith did offensively at Washington. So let's not try to revise history here. There were a lot of people that wanted to run Jonathan Smith out on the rails. And when Bush Hamden took over as the offensive coordinator, there was rejoicing around Montlake by a certain segment of the of the fan base. There was no, there was no doubt about that. And then Hamden fell on his face. So you really can't win in a lot of ways with this situation. But with Jonathan Smith and what he's doing right now, if you're going to look at Justin Wilcox, there's absolutely no reason why you wouldn't look at Jonathan Smith.
1: Yeah. I love what Jonathan Smith has done with the creative roster management and all that. And this is not a basketball podcast, but I do want to ask, you say it, it would take a lot to get Jonathan Smith. And then there are sexy names too that I, I want I want to chew around. Does the looming specter of a possible coaching change in basketball mean that football might have to go a little bit cheaper than some would like? I don't know
0: about that. And it's, it obviously is an interesting question because it really has been made apparent to us that money's not going to be an issue. And the fact that they are willing to basically fire Jimmy Lake and buy him out really tells you that money's not an issue because we really thought that the suspension while on its face was, was, was a separate issue. It was going to allow time that one week for the two parties to come together. Lake's Lake's entourage and the people from Washington to come together and negotiate an amicable way out of this, so there could be a that quote unquote mutual parting of the ways that we often see, and that Washington could maybe buy down part of that buyout. Obviously, the the buyout's also going to go down when Lake gets another job in the next three years. You know, whatever compensation he makes out of that contract, wherever he signs, that's going to drop down the buyout. So there's a lot of things that were in play here, but there is no question. The things that are going on with Mike Hopkins in the basketball program, I mean, he's getting literally a second chance, the, the second chance that Jimmy Lake was was not going to get. And if they, for some reason, he falls on his face again, you're looking at another buyout that's close to eight figures, high seven figures, and, and that's going to really... Not just put Washington up against it financially, but that's going to put Jen Cohen up against it in terms of now she's definitely on the hot seat because both of her young kind of up and coming assistants, guys that were coach, head coaches and waiting, everyone expected them
1: to just take these programs to the next level, have just done the exact opposite. All right. Last question for you. you mentioned salary. Threw around in your hot board. Probably it would take about $6 million annually to get a guy like Baylor's Dave Aranda. Our produce Jeff Brom, and it kind of cracks me up that we're referring to—I'm referring to Dave Aranda as like one of the, the sexy names because he just wouldn't have thought that a few years ago. But he's just done such a terrific job at Baylor. You've got tons of other guys. It's VIP content. I don't want to give it out. And then one other really compelling name to me, at least, uh, was Tom Herman. Chris, I want you to choose one of those three guys and just kind of—it's kind of create your own podcast here. Dave Veranda, Jeff Brom, Tom Herman. Choose one of the guys to, to tell me why they would have made your hot board.
0: Well, <laughs> well, I think obviously Aranda is going to be a really interesting guy to think about because he's just, he's a guy, again, a defensive guy. So it, it, that's going to be interesting too, because I don't know if Jen Cohen's going to be looking offense, defense, or if it's really going to matter, but he does have some West Coast influence. I actually met Dave Aranda when he was at Hawaii many, many years ago. So there there's, there's obviously some connections there's West coast ties. So that's always a thing, but you really find that a guy like Aranda has really come up the right way. I mean, he's done it through being a long time assistant, then finally got some opportunities to become a coordinator, really got his shot with LSU and has made the most of it. You know, I just, I don't want it to necessarily be so timely because, you know, Baylor just beat Oklahoma, for instance, but he's really had the number of some of these top guys, like a Lincoln Riley, for instance. And it's just super, super interesting to think and and kind of wonder where Washington is in the in the paradigm of of kind of are they a more attractive program than Baylor right now? And it's so hard for me to know because I it's hard for, first of all, it's hard for me to get out of the bubble of the of the Pac-12 and the Northwest and everything else to take a bigger look at college football because the West Coast has been so malign and and the left coast in general has been such an afterthought in college football. It's just so hard to know whether or not a guy like Aranda could look at Washington and go, does it still have the cachet? Does it still have the pull to be a team that could get into the playoffs? for instance. And Washington is the last Pac-12 team that's gotten into the the playoff. But that was five years ago. I mean, it feels like it could be a century ago for how important it is and how relevant it is now. So I I think Dave Aranda is extremely intriguing. You know, what's interesting is Jeff Grimes, obviously offensive coordinator. He had some things that, you know, he was with BYU, but when BYU played Washington in a recent home home, Washington just kind of destroyed Jeff Grimes. And really, I mean, Jimmy Lake's defense just made him look really bad. So I don't know if it's because Jeff Grimes has maybe evolved and now he's looking better and better, and he's kind of figured it out? Or is it simply a matter of the players are better? There's so many pieces to this puzzle, but Dave Aranda is certainly a guy. He's not only at the top of our head coaching hot board because he's a top candidate, but obviously alphabetically, we start out there (laughs) and he just happens to be the first guy on our list. But I I really love what we've seen from from Dave Aranda so far. And um, he's a guy that I think you just absolutely have to look for.
1: Well, I thought you were going to say he's not just at the top of Washington's hot board, but maybe USC's as well. So that that will be interesting to watch. And just my last comment here, I think Washington is a better job than Baylor. The recruiting base is not nearly as good, but conference realignment absolutely is going to favor the Pac-12 over the Big 12, given auto bids and, and all that stuff. So it's, uh, I think it's worth a shot, Chris. Uh, we appreciate having you on. Uh, last question I I already asked you a question this is not really a question but just more of like a two-word answer what, what's the timeline for this pre-early signing period January what do you think
0: well I wish I had a two-word answer but Jen so we asked Jen Cohen and I asked Jen Cohen specifically about that in regards to the mid-year signing period because it's so important and that is another reason as part of her holistic look into why Jimmy Lake had to go now is that recruiting has fallen off a map. For Washington this year, I mean, it was starting to trend slightly downward in in Peterson's last year, but it certainly wasn't anything worth really getting you know worried about. I would say, and then this year, it's almost like Lake understood that he had to, the the product on the field took precedence over everything, but it literally took precedent over everything. So recruiting is just going to be massive. She said that there's not going to be a timeline they're obviously wanting to get someone in as soon as possible. I think she understands the realities that 90 to 95% of these kids are going to sign mid-year. And the only ones that don't are the, you know, the JT to him of the world who end up going to Ohio state and still playing, you know, this year, even though he was only on campus for like two, two weeks or three weeks before he even started playing but they're not in on those five-star talents at this point. They're they, they are going to be searching high and low. And again, there's so many other things that are connected to it because whoever they hire, like you know, Kalen DeBoer, for instance, we haven't mentioned him, Fresno State, he's on the rise. If they had hired a guy like Kalen DeBoer, does that mean they're going to try to bring in guys that are on Fresno State's commit list right now? Are guys on Washington's current commit list going to start looking around? Are they going to try to follow some of the position coaches at Washington that moved on because they got fired? So many <laughs> so many moving pieces to this, but I think even though Jen Cohen won't say it and, ha- and didn't say it yesterday, I believe that they're definitely going to try to hire someone before. For the mid-year signing period, probably I would think in the next three weeks, that would be my timeline that i I think that's realistic. And I think they've also been thinking about this enough because of all the missteps that Lake had been making. I think this thing started to get ramped up a little sooner than normal, probably in the same vein as when Tyrell Willingham got bumped off in 2008, you know, when, when that team went winless, everyone knew mid season that that thing was over. And he basically got fired mid-season. Everyone knew it. So I'm not saying that that necessarily was that early this time around, but I think a lot of those thought processes and a lot of those conversations with Cohen and her advisors were going on pretty early on. So hopefully they've done a lot of the legwork already so that they
1: can really hit the ground running this week. All right. Good stuff. Chris Fetters. Appreciate it, man. Of course. Anytime. All right. Appreciate Chris joining us. Follow him on Twitter at Chris underscore Maybe a hire happens in the next few weeks. We're going to have to fit a lot of news in before the early signing period on December 15th. Can't wait. Can't wait to get through it. Better yet. Our producer is Lance Glenn. My name is Trey Scott. We've got playoff rankings tonight. What happens to Michigan? What happens to Oklahoma? Does Alabama stay at two? I think they do. What happens to Michigan State? What happens to Cincinnati? Does Baylor go up? Does Oklahoma State go up? Does Oregon? What happens to Oregon? Can't wait to see what happens. We'll talk to you on Wednesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.